If you want your dog to be social with other dogs, your dog has to have social time with those other dogs. I can't teach what another dog can teach. I'm a trainer, but there are some lessons best learned through other dogs because of their body language, their energy. They communicate in a very different way. It's so much more instinctual and innate for a dog to learn from another dog. So they need that time together. Hello and welcome back to Honest Dog Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Foley, head trainer and CEO at The Dog House. And I am Jeff Gadway. Happy New Year, Liz. Same to you. Welcome to 2021. It's going to be better, right? Yeah, <laughs> Ooh, we're so. making it better. We're going to make it better. We're going to make it better. In fact, on that topic, probably is worth giving a quick update on some of the progress that I'm already making towards one of my 2021 goals around being able to take Ty off leash by midsummer. We mm-hmm. talked about it in last week's episode. So why don't you kind of give everyone an update on my progress? You know, you, kind of my, my scorecard, my report card to date. Yeah, I was excited because uh, the other day you asked for your very first e-collar lesson with me. And so I got to work with you on that and really help you see how that's an easy way for Ty to understand rules, boundaries, and limitations. And then it's so much easier to trust him. And so I've already seen that shift in your relationship just a little bit, a little bit closer to gaining more and more trust in him off leash. Because when you were walking him with the e-collar, like you could have tucked that leash into your back pocket. Oh, it was a dream. Yeah. Yeah, it was night and day. And he walks well for you. I want to like point that out. He doesn't pull. He's not horrible on leash by any means. But it went from him walking like just right beside, just kind of pushing. Two steps in front almost, yeah. Yeah, to being like, back checked in super calm i felt really confident too i felt like a much better leader wasn't worried about him and i think just having that tool gave me more confidence more that's it tools in my tool belt to be able to lead him so in any case we will continue to bring you updates Uh, it might not be every week but every so often as we see breakthroughs or progress towards that goal we'll continue to uh, to give you updates along the way. I like it. So today is the first of two episodes on a really important hot topic, socialization. When mm-hmm. we were going through our notes, we were actually surprised to see we hadn't done an episode on this yet because it's probably the number one thing that clients come to you looking for, having a more social dog. Is that mm-hmm. is that accurate? Absolutely. Yeah. And socialization is really what I do right with the daycare so it's it's kind of fun for me to teach about I really like talking about socialization about dogs yeah and there's so much there there's so much meat uh, yeah so around I could, this I could go on and on we're gonna break it up into two episodes let's dive in sounds good what do you want to know so what <laughs> when we talk about socialization what is socialization as it relates to dogs and dog training So a lot of people tend to focus on dogs being around other dogs as their whole way of thinking about socialization, that it's just dogs playing together. When in reality, it's more than that. Socialization for me and how I explain it to clients is it's three things and we call it the three Ps, people, places, and puppies. Really what that means is meeting different people and being comfortable around really anyone, being calm in any environment and knowing how to be around other dogs in a way that's safe. That makes a ton of sense. I mean, if you think about a person who's a social person, it's somebody that is, yes, comfortable with other people, but comfortable experiencing new things, comfortable in different environments and different settings. And so it's really about defining that dog's experience with the world. 
Yeah. Right? That's that's what I'm hearing, you know, when you say people, puppies, and places, it's it's all three of those things. And so today we're gonna focus on puppies to start. We're gonna talk mm-hmm. about, you know, that that P. And then in next week's episode, we'll expand to talk about people and places. Yep. I like it. I think let's tackle the biggest hurdle first, which is socialization with other dogs. That's what most people want to know about. A lot of peas. So many. How to focus. Precisely. So <laughs> what does a dog that's social with other puppies or other dogs look like? Like what what are the characteristics or signs of a social dog with other dogs? A dog that's super chill. A dog that isn't crazy excited super anxious, barking, lunging, looking aggressive. Um, You want a dog that's just like, oh, hey, there's another dog there. Cool, cool. Not like, oh my God, did you see that dog? I shared a hilarious uh, video the other day, actually, that was somebody had dubbed over what dogs were saying to each other on leash when they were like reacting. So I was like, hey, hey, what's your name? Tony. F you, Tony, and <laughs> just like ripped on each other like that. So anyways, we don't want a dog that's screaming across the street. F you, Tony. What we want is a dog that's just chill. Tip of the hat. Yeah, yeah. just like, good morning. How do good you? Good day to you. Yeah. Um, so that's that's so interesting. And, and yet, I think people discount how much work goes into achieving that kind of outcome. I've heard you talk before about achieving that goal takes a proactive approach to mm-hmm. socializing your dog. It's not just sitting back and, you know, hoping for the best. You need to take a really proactive approach in socializing your dog to achieve that outcome. So w- talk a little bit more about that, about why being proactive is so key and, and what that looks like. We've always had rescue dogs, you and I, two of which were pretty much adult dogs when we got them. We were able to socialize those dogs well. But when you get a puppy... You do have 16 weeks of time to do really, really proper socialization because that will become permanent memory for your dog. And those are behaviors that stick with them for life. Not to say that getting an adult dog, you can't socialize them. I want to totally, that's not the narrative at all. If those dogs have an issue in those first 16 weeks, you can still come out the other side okay. But that is a crucial time to try your best to set your dog up for success. There's that old saying, the best time to plant a tree was yesterday. Mm -hmm. The second best time is today. I like that. The best time to socialize your dog is in the first 16 weeks. Yes. The next best time is right now. Right now. However old they are. And it, it goes to, I think, your whole premise about socialization, that it's not a point in time. It's a lifelong Mm -hmm. endeavor. Can you kind of elaborate on what you mean there? Yes, I'm so glad you said that because dogs are social animals and beings just like we are. And so you don't just go to school as a child and then cut yourself off from the rest of the world because now you're deemed social. No, you stay engaged in a community or maybe you go to a church or have a team where you play sports. Like there's something, you go to work. Like you have ongoing interactions with other people and it helps keep you social if you take social experiences away from your dog he will become antisocial no matter how much work you did in the first 16 weeks because if you don't practice daily like if you don't use it you lose it right 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 okay so really when you talk about socializing your dog it's not just bringing your dog around other dogs and saying, oh, okay, well, we took the we dog that to once. a dog part or we did, Check. yeah, we did, yeah, my dog is now social. It's an ongoing process, an ongoing investment 
in your dog to build on those foundations and and yeah. strengthen it. Absolutely. Do you so, see how like jazz I'm getting talking about this? I yeah. friggin' spirit fingers. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's quickly talk about the flip side of this just to to hammer home the point of why this is so critical. And then then we'll jump into what are some strategies to socializing your puppy with other puppies or your dog with other dogs. What are the ripple effects of not proactively socializing your dog? How does that manifest in your dog's behavior, short-term, long-term, beyond? So if you are getting a puppy and you're getting a puppy from a breeder, you want your breeder to already be doing positive exposures to simple and little things that are then going to make it easier for your dog to adjust to real-world situations when they go home with you. So if your breeder doesn't start that process for you, and I've seen it, puppies come home really nervous, sketched out about a lot of things and unable to adapt to a new life. And it happens. There are not so great breeders out there where there's a dog who's born into a crate and stays in that crate the entire eight weeks until it goes home with you. Then there are phenomenal breeders and I follow a couple on Instagram. I've been sharing some of their stuff and I'm just amazed to see there were people doing a good job in setting these puppies up for going home where that puppy experiences grass on their feet. That puppy experiences a chew toy or touch from a human, like even simple things that then they accept more willingly and become more stable adult dogs because of it. Then you have another eight weeks when your puppy is home with you. And if we're not doing more social experiences in that time, that's going to be a dog who is a complete nervous wreck anytime it does meet another dog or an unfamiliar human or go somewhere it's never been. It could completely become aggressive in those situations, try to run away in those situations, act so completely out of character because it's never been shown what the expectation is in that situation. It becomes a life sentence and it becomes kind of debilitating to your dog. Then the human becomes super afraid of taking the dog anywhere. So then the dog can't get better. So you have to step into the uncomfortable with your dog, work with the trainer on how to desensitize them slowly over time. But a lot of dogs that aren't socialized properly end up with fear aggression just straight up reactivity and aggression or separation anxiety, really, really bad anxiety. And I mean, I've seen it with some dogs that come to daycare. That can be really overwhelming for dogs who have never been around another dog. And then someone calls for daycare, wants their dog to try it out, and they have to meet 30 other dogs. That's asking a lot. So how I relay that to to clients, because everybody wants their dog to be able to come to doghouse, daycare, so they could be in the photo, so they can be in Snapchat, so they can see their dog playing. But the reality is, if you've been homeschooling your dog and your dog goes in your backyard and walks around your neighborhood for walks and that's it, they're going to really struggle coming to a daycare where there are 30 other dogs. That's asking your homeschooled kid to go to prom. They go from having a very small world to being thrown in the ocean, right? And, and it's overwhelming. They don't have the skills in that situation to thrive. Right, right. Okay. Let's jump into, you know, how we can build those skills. And I think one of the most common misconceptions maybe is, well, I'm just going to take my dog to a dog park. Mm-hmm. Why is relying solely on dog parks not a good strategy for achieving the goal for a, a fully socialized, well-rounded dog? I think 
One, if you know you have an antisocial dog, don't go running to a dog park to test out your dog's sociability there. It's going to go bad. (laughs) So start small because dog parks, you can't control who's there beyond just health concerns that that brings in, right? We don't know if those dogs are vaccinated or spayed or neutered, so many other things. You also don't know if those dogs are trained any better socially than your dog is. Also, you don't want to use other people's dogs as pawns, as like a a project, like let's see how this goes. Never have I ever been like that with a dog at daycare, like fingers crossed. Uh, I don't know what I'm looking for. Well, it's rolling the dice, right? You're like, you just can't with dogs. They have teeth. They can do a lot of damage and it can happen really, really quickly. If you haven't done any socialization actively for your dog, start researching ways or someone to work with training wise to get you set and started in the right direction. I always start with on leash. If your dog can't meet other people or be in a new environment or be around other dogs off leash, start with on leash, right? And and that way I can give feedback and direction very quickly and seamlessly with my dog to set him up for success. I guess we can do a whole episode on the one about muzzles, but Frig, I love muzzles. And if you're nervous about how your dog is going to behave or you can't predict it or they've been aggressive in the past, put a muzzle on. Putting a muzzle on your dog signifies to those around you, hey, I'm not perfect, right? My dog could do something. And it doesn't really label a dog as bad. It's just I'm being protective in this situation, I'm being a responsible dog owner and I'm trying to bring my dog out into more real world socialization experiences so that he can grow, he can get better. I'd way rather someone show up to a walk with their dog on muzzle than stay at home and keep their dog locked up. No, try. That's the only way it can get better is putting yourself out there. So if dog parks aren't the place to start. I mean, maybe they're a, a tool you can use down the road once you have confidence that you, your dog has some of these basic social skills. But even then, as you pointed out, Liz, there are so many unknown variables in a dog park with other dogs, with other owners. I know you're not a big fan generally. Mm-hmm. If we're not going to rely on dog parks as part of that socialization equation, what are some other strategies that people can use to begin introducing their dog to other dogs. Start small and start building like a network of friends for your dog who in your family, neighborhood or workplace or friend group has a dog that is a good dog in your opinion, well-rounded, social, calm, can meet people, can meet other dogs, no problem. That's who I want your dog to start hanging out with. And if you need to muzzle up your dog, to make sure it's safe for that other dog, good, do that. If you need to start on leash and just do walks together, good, do that. Then graduate to maybe an off-leash play in a backyard and see how your dog responds to other dogs who are of different sizes, of different breeds, of different ages. Because even if you have a puppy that you're trying to do puppy socialization with, please socialize that puppy with adult dogs who have all their vaccines and who are social, who are gonna then help reinforce and draw boundaries for that new puppy. Say, hey, no, you don't jump up in my face. That's not how we greet. We actually are calm and respectful and we give each other space and we smell from behind. It kind of picks up on the first eight weeks with their mom. They learn a lot of these social cues in the first eight weeks before they go home. And then you've got this pivotal eight week period to 
build on that, mm-hmm. right? And and you've shown me some great videos of dogs teaching their pups how to behave properly and mm-hmm. and and those social norms. So I think it makes total sense to have a young dog interacting with older dogs so that they can continue that learning from a master, right? Yeah. <laughs> An elder. Yeah. If you think about it, if you want your dog to be social with other dogs, your dog has to have social time with those other dogs. I can't teach what another dog can teach, right? Even I'm a trainer, but there are some lessons best learned through other dogs because of their body language, their energy, everything. They communicate in a very different way that we just hope to be able to tap into ourselves. So it's so much more instinctual and innate for a dog to learn from another dog. So they need that time together. It's kind of not all that different too in in a sense that having just that 16 week pressure and window and feeling like everything has to go perfect in that time frame or we're messed for the whole lifespan of this dog, no. But even if you do a really good job in that time, just like kids need to have friends ongoing through all different life phases, your dog goes through life phases and it's not just that 16 weeks, it's then six months, it's then 10 months, it's then a year and a half, it's then two years, three years, four, and then six to eight. And like they have so much more dimension to them than that. And so that's why I think investing in ongoing socialization for your dog is without a doubt the best thing you can do for your dog. It's going to make their life happier, more fulfilled, your dog calmer. I'm getting heated about this. I might cry. I'm getting emotional, getting all the feels because I think it's so important that dogs be among their own kind. And that doesn't mean you have to go out and buy three more dogs. I mean, you could, (laughs) but you could invest in a really solid dog walker who does pack walks. You could invest in a really awesome structured daycare. You could do a board and train for your dog, like do the training, learn it, and then send your dog every couple, maybe months for a little tune-up tweak. There's a place in Muskoka that's like a dog camp for dogs. That sounds amazing. Like that's the stuff you should do for your dog. You know, just just the other day, I saw some some friends of ours post on Instagram that they met up for a walk and it was really for their dogs, but also for them socially. So just like you'd meet up with friends and and do, you know, a walk around the neighborhood, you know, just to get that social interaction and get some exercise, you could do the same thing for your dogs, plan like a social date. It's a great opportunity to do some small group activities with your dogs as a great intermediary between you know being solo or being alone and doing something as extensive as being in a pack setting at a daycare. Yeah. I mean, you got to walk your dog anyways. So why not try doing dog walks more together? I think it's more fun, but also it helps that it's reinforcing proper training and socialization for your dog. In a perfect world, and like this is what I love about the doghouse community, is we have a community within our training group. There's a whole Facebook group where you can reach out to anyone saying, hey, I'm doing a walk. I mean, it's not having so much because of the times that we're in, but you have people to do walks with ongoing so that your dog has time amongst friends. I think why I get really adamant on dog parks not being the best solution for your dog socially is because dog parks are free for all. You don't know who's showing up. I call it a rave scene, right? And there are dogs who are going to be fine with that. But what I think is more important in socialization is for dogs to have best friends for life. 
right? Dogs that they see regularly. Just like how humans are their most authentic self around people that you're really comfortable with, like you might be different with acquaintances than you are family and close friends. Dogs are the same way. They're going to be more and more comfortable, more and more relaxed around each other, and more goofy and fun. They're just going to be 100% them. How important is it in selecting who those who those dogs are, being really specific and particular, almost handpicking who that small inner circle would be? Yeah, it's super crucial because, again, I'm going to relate it to humans, but there's some quote where it's, you are a reflection of the five people you hang out with most, so choose wisely. I say the same thing about dogs. Pick dogs that are going to be good role models for your dog to model themselves after. So if you don't want a dog that barks, don't hang around with your friend that has the dog that won't stop barking. If you want a dog who's chill, find dogs who are chill. You want a dog who's playful, find other dogs who are playful. But also keep in mind how your dog responds to those dogs. Who do they gravitate to most? There's no exact recipe like baking a cake for what that friend group should look like. But I'm almost, I'm a big framework guy for for anyone who knows me in my business world. Like I'm always about frameworks and models to try to systematize things. I'm almost envisioning a framework that's like looking at different characteristics. Like you were saying, temperament, energy, age, Mm -hmm. size, and trying to select those five people, almost like drafting a fantasy baseball team so that you're hitting as many of those boxes as possible so that you get a really well-rounded social crew for your dog. Well, I did that for a client once. I said, for this dog, find two adult dogs who are like super solid, super chill, like the confident old man energy. I want that around this dog. (laughs) Have that and then find two that are outgoing, one that's bigger, one that's smaller, and one dog that's sensitive. There are five dogs for you to have your dog around because your dog should learn from somebody who's older and wiser, someone who's maybe bigger and stronger, someone who's smaller and weaker, and someone who might be very alert of things all around them and need a very sensitive, gentle approach. Then you're going to have a super well-rounded dog. But if you only have your dog hang out with dogs who are like super forward, pushy, then your dog's going to become super forward and pushy. In your experience, when you go in and start working with new clients in, in a training type setting and you ask them, tell me about your dog's five best friends, what are the answers that you most commonly get? Are people doing this? Do dogs have best friends? Or is this an area that's often overlooked and that you see room for improvement? It's definitely overlooked. If I say that to a client, if they have a sibling, they're like, well, he's got Charlie. And I'm like, no, Charlie doesn't count. Charlie's grandpa in the corner. Your dog does not want to play with grandpa. (laughs) They're related. And this new puppy thinks 12-year-old Charlie is old news, no fun. But they might say, oh, well, we have, there's a dog on this side of the fence and a dog on this side of the fence. And I go, again, that's not that doesn't count. That's like cellmates in a jail. <laughs> they touch through plexiglass only. Um, no, it doesn't count. I'd like to see a world where dogs have five best friends minimum. And I think it's definitely going in that direction, especially with the amount of people that reach out for daycare. People know and understand, I think more now than ever, that dogs are social pack animals that need to be around their own kind. So Liz, I know a question that you get asked all the time when it comes to 
socializing your dog and and your dog meeting other dogs is how do I ensure that my dog can meet other dogs safely, confidently, without any issues on leash? And that I think from what I've heard here today, it's kind of a bit of a loaded or trick question, yeah. right? So what's your take on that? Don't have dogs meet on leash. <laughs> That's me simplifying the answer. So many dogs struggle with that and an easier solution then walking through how to do proper handshake, ensure both dogs are feeling safe and both owners are confident and feeling under control. Let's just nix it and make sure dogs can pass each other. And I mean, my example is I don't go and run up and hug every person I see on the street. I don't even shake hands with everybody I see in the street. Even before COVID, I might smile and make eye contact. That's it. And that's still being social. That's being very social. It's being very pleasant and courteous. Exactly. And so... The thought that your dog should love and accept every single dog it sees on its walk is kind of irrational. And I mean, we wouldn't put it on our kids to do that. And further, is that really social? If you run up to a stranger (laughs) and bear hug them. I was going to say sniff sniff their butt, but. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm looked at as being unsocialized, (laughs) right? Right. That's kind of too much. And so a dog rushing to say hi to another dog on leash isn't trying to be social. Oh, he just wants to meet you or your dog. He's very friendly. Actually, he's being really rude. Rude and imposing. Yeah. So giving more dogs space is really, really important so that we can just get them calm and passing each other. Like dogs shouldn't be excited when they're meeting on leash. Dogs shouldn't be excited really when they're meeting at all. But what do humans do? We create excitement. Dogs on leash are going to feel more confined right? And not feel like they could necessarily get away. All of a sudden now we've eliminated flight. I've eliminated avoid because this dog is right in your face. So your other options are to surrender and be social and nice and polite or fight and turn on this other dog. And so if two dogs are meeting and excited on leash, they're going to choose fight, especially because when they're greeting and smelling each other, their leashes are going to get tangled. And then the owners are going to unknowingly put pressure on the leash with the dogs that are going to do it themselves and we've got this hot mess express and then we split them up and we go oh my god he's never done that before and then that becomes the greeting and then that becomes the association every time i see that dog on my neighborhood walk and i've created the association of fight right why programmed in yeah yeah why not just have the association be hey what's up keep on moving So I think we need to reprogram ourselves as dog owners. So the question really isn't how do I ensure an on-leash greeting goes smoothly, but rather how do I just coexist in this space with this other dog and not put a lot of pressure on myself or my dog to meet that other dog on leash. There's no, there's no real need or purpose for it at all. Yeah. Being in the same general vicinity is social enough, right? Just kind of as a, as a wrap up before we close off, thinking about our our dogs, I think we've done a pretty good job of socializing our dogs. Who would you say Ty and Baker's, you know, inner circle is? And and what are a couple of things that maybe our dogs have learned from those other dogs of of different ages, different breeds, different sizes, everything else? Oh my gosh. Okay. Maybe I'll do a best friend for both of them. Sure. Ty's best friend and has been for a long time now. Oh, and he's got some new friends. He's just feeling his best self, but I'll focus on one of the OGs. One of the original friends was Remington. Remy? Reming- yeah, Remy. He is a Brittany Spaniel. And so he's about medium size, about the same size as Ty. 
and oh i love him he's he's a little bit spicy like he's happy-go-lucky he's a working breed so when he was younger he was just a handful he was a pill but i liked him for a friend i didn't mean i didn't pick him i picked him out of the bunch i liked him for a friend because of his outgoingness that brought out some goofiness in Ty that he was like oh like this is guys my ride or die you know like you had your like best friend that you always got into trouble with that's Remy <laughs> for Ty. Like, they're just, they're just bros. Right, right. Oh, and I want to mention one other. Ty's very first friend at, ba- at daycare was Mosey. And I just shared this video not that long ago. And anyone who follows Doghouse on Instagram knows Mosey for the most part. Because Mosey sings to us every Thursday at daycare and we share it. Years ago, the first year we got Ty, Mosey taught Ty how to play and let loose at daycare. And so he actually learned from a macho tiny dog like he's got sass to him so he's another one that's confident but also soft like he's he's like kind of carmen in energy just like owns who he is so he's like confident but not pushy knows how to dial it back he's just like good all-around dog and so he was so respectful with ty and so ty peeled a layer off and i love that was so sweet with him what about big big Bake Bake, I think Bake Bake's, oh my God, ultimate friend. I mean, he loves he loves Paula's whole pack. But when I see Baker be like just silly, goofy, stupid little guy is when he plays with Beans, um, Claire's mom's dog. Oh, yeah. So yeah. he's another little chihuahua. And Beans is just freaking, Beans is the reason I have Baker. Let's be real. I fell in love with a little chihuahua and was like i need one in my life and when they see each other they do like zoomies and chase each other and it's just like two little wild hamsters like they're so small (laughs) it's so cute and he's a sensitive dog is there a friend of baker's who's maybe taught him calmness or confidence at all i think maybe a bit of confidence um the first big dog baker ever played with was hudson a golden retriever who's just big and beautiful and soft energy and he laid down on the floor and played with baker and so that was like the first time i saw baker like be brave and play with a a bigger dog and now anytime i take him off leash anywhere and he goes up to that big dogs people are astounded because here's this little six pound nugget who's just like hey what's up like not scared and running and barking at people's feet which is what they're probably used to chihuahuas doing so anyways that's kind of a little bit about them I love it. I love it. Thanks for sharing. It's just, it's a great reminder how fortunate we are to have this community and, and fantastic dogs that our dogs can learn from as much as we do to try to instill the right traits and values into them on an ongoing basis. It's only when they get with their other dog friends that they're able to actually put those lessons into practice. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. So I think home, homework for this week for everyone listening should be to write down who your dog's five best friends are. If you don't have five best friends, that's okay. Don't beat yourself up. Develop that matrix and figure out, you know, where your gaps are in terms of either age, breed, breed size, size, temperament, um, characteristics, yeah, and and start to try to build that plan to to find some dog friends that can check those boxes. So let us know, drop us a message, maybe on the um, Instagram page for Honest to Dog Podcast and let us know who your dog's best friends are. Awesome. And I'm looking forward to our follow-up episode where we talk more about socialization. Until then, stay calm and assertive. 
If you've got an idea for an episode or a suggestion for a topic you'd like to hear covered, or a question you want answered by yours truly, drop us an email, hello at honesttodogpodcast.com, or slide right into our DMs on Instagram. Slip and slide. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you. We release a new podcast weekly. Follow us on Instagram at honesttodogpodcast. Honest to Dog Podcast is hosted by Liz Foley and Jeff Gadway. The show is engineered, edited, and produced by me, Timothy Musa. Support for the podcast is provided by The Doghouse. For all things training and daycare, head over to their website, doghaus.ca.